Welcome back. Last week we jumped into a new series titled Roots and really talking about who we're to be in 2022. We talked about holding uh, fast, being rooted, staying connected to uh, who we are, being rooted in our belief. We talked about standing together, being unified, a body of believers, a community of faith. We talked about keeping focused, keeping focused, keeping your integrity, keeping your beliefs keeping your values, not conforming to the patterns of this world. I think it's really tough um, in today's society, in 2022, because everything is trying to uproot you and pull you away from what you believe and get you to kind of jump into, you know, whatever and, and whoever is popular or what's, you know, the thing to do or be at that time. And uh, it can sometimes be difficult, especially with the pressure on Christianity right now and, and, and believers. And so there are three things we're called to be as believers, and that is in relationship with God and with people, and we're called to discipleship, to grow in our relationship with God, and we're called to community, to community. Jesus said that um, He won't come back until every knee bows and every tongue will confess, and so that means everybody's going to hear the name of Jesus, so that's kind of the Great Commission. So as we do these three things, I wanted, you know, I was preparing the message uh, for this weekend and I just kind of got slapped in the face with the idea of like, I can't, we can't really talk about um, these three things unless we really identify where we are right now and moving forward. And so um, as I was preparing this week's message, uh, it was unique that, that God just reminded me that God has created us all to be. We're all created to be first. The emphasis on our lives is who we are not what we do. God's not looking at what we do. He's not measuring what we do and going, oh, I guess I guess it's good enough for today, right? We're human beings, not human doings. Many of you might have heard me say this before. The reality is religion tries to get you to do. And it is, how many hours have you put in? Um, what is your commitment? Uh, did you go do this? How many times have you been, right? Religion tries to get us to do but relationship is what calls us to be when we live in that relationship with God. And so I want to park on that today. So this is kind of a one-off uh, already into the, in, into the new year. We're going to go one-off of um, our series to kind of dig in and make sure those roots are deep and, and they are you know, where they're supposed to be. And so the world wants to see how much we can do. They don't want to get to know who you are. I think that's what, what the travesty with social media right now is that, that you know, everything is, I can, I can like and comment and do whatever and not have to engage with you, but let you know what I think. And, and so then everybody works really hard to put on this really good front or show you something really special or unique or, or, you know, better because there's not that engagement because nobody's trying to get to know who you are. We're trying to show people who we are. We're trying to prove to people with what we do and we post that and we show the world let everybody know that we're good enough. The reality is, is God says, all that's a wash. You're good enough to me anyways. I've accepted you. Now accept one another as I've accepted you. That's in Romans. And so then, um, when we identify uh, who we are with what we do, we're, we're approaching our life strictly from a physical standpoint. When we identify who we are with what we do, we're, we're going solely off of what we can produce physically. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God Himself, the God of peace, 
sanctify you through and through, meaning through and through, through your entire being. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. So then you are to live your life balanced spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But when you're rolling from that due identity and that's who you are, you're only going from that physical. It's only from the physical side, from what you can do with your body. That's disconnected from your spirit. It's disconnected from your soul, which means it's disconnected from your emotions and it's disconnected from your spirit. You're solely going off what you can produce with what you have in your body. And the world wants us to do And we want to talk about how busy we are, how much we can do physically. But God created us to be, and he says himself, that I want to sanctify you through and through, not just in your body, in your physical presence, in your physical being, but in your spiritual being, in your emotional being. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. If, if, here's the big point. If we will be who God created us to be, we'll do what he created us to do. If we will be who God created us to be, we'll do what God created us to do. And so then, we have to stop putting the cart before the horse. We are three parts whole, spirit, soul, body. It's not just about waking up in the morning, taking a drink of water. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up physically today, okay? No chair time, no prayer time, no nothing. I've got to hit the ground running. I'm already running late. I'm already running late, right? And so then, the best example that we see of putting the cart before the horse in the Bible is found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is the story of Mary and Martha. This story changed my life because it helped me realize that I was putting the cart before the horse as a pastor, as a pastor. And so... Let's go ahead and look at, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're going to highlight in your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. It's so powerful when God says something to us and we get to highlight in our Bibles, right? And so Luke 10, 38 through 42, uh, here's where we start. Verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. It's amazing. Martha sees them. She knows, you know, there's something right there. She's going to welcome them into her home. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. But Martha was the jittery type. This is the living Bible translation, by the way. Jittery type. Go ahead and write that down. That's me, okay? And was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Understanding, obviously, he had authority, right? But the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. And in some versions, some version, he says her name twice as to get her attention. Martha. Martha. Right? Martha, dear friend, you're so upset over these details. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it won't be taken from her. What's he saying? There's one thing you need to be concerned about right now. Your relationship with me. Mary's got it. Mary's figured it out. There's really one thing you need to be concerned about, okay? It's your heart, your heart towards me. Mary's heart is right. Posture's right. Position's right. She's seated. It won't be taken from her. 
And in verse 40, what you see is Martha just needed to relax, the jittery type. She just needed to take, take a load off, right? But she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister who's concerned, Lord, don't you care that my sister who is concerned as well in having done these things has left me to serve alone? This is Martha's, you know, kind of her diagnosis of the situation. And so she says, so dismiss her, dismiss her and tell her to come help me. And what I want you to see is Martha's complaint made it easy to see that she was distracted and couldn't see what was most important. She was so focused on the exterior, on the things that weren't important at that time. She couldn't even see what had the real, the real value. Yet she was the one who invited them into her home. She talks like she's upset with her sister. Otherwise, she, yeah, if she wasn't upset with her sister, she wouldn't have asked Jesus to tell her to come help her, right? Jesus, can you help me with this matter? And what we need to see is, and I think this is unique, and I think you can see this all around us, right? Excess concern and pursuit of performance or accomplishment is often the reason for disturbances in our families and for the strife and contention in our relationships. It's our concern and pursuit of performance or accomplishment. What have you done for me lately, right? Also, those who are eager to uh, chase completion or um, accomplishment and they focus on personal performance are normally the ones to blame and criticize those who are not chasing the same thing they are. This was true for me and Heather. I can remember early in our marriage, I would come home she was home with our kids. I would come home, and the first thing I would notice is how messy our house was. What the heck's been happening here today? My, my focus was off. Heather's focus was dead on. Our kids were cared for. They were happy. Dinner was being prepared. The house, the house, and here's the thing. A lot of times I would say it was a mess. There would be like, I was, I was so anal at that point, super perfectionist, like, one thing out of place meant the whole, the whole house was a wreck, right? And so, um, and so then for me, it was easy for me to say, man, do you know how much I've done? Look at it, da, 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 da. and like, you haven't even picked that toy up. Maybe, maybe the kids were just playing with it. I don't even know, right? But it's easy for us to blame and criticize those who aren't chasing the same thing that we're chasing. Same thing for Martha, right? And while... While it was easy for me to justify my, my actions and it's easy for Martha to justify actions and, and it's easy for people to justify themselves and their actions, they are super quick and ready to condemn those who do not work as they do, who do not accomplish as they do, and they feel like, um, and this is how I felt so I can speak to this directly, they, it's easy to feel like you're neglecting an opportunity to get something done or to do something better, okay? And our frustration, the frustration would come because you don't want to be busy like me. That's just it. You're missing an opportunity to be busy like I am. And being busy is empty. It's empty. Busy is the number one excuse today, right? Well, it's probably number two. COVID, number one excuse for the whole world. Two, I'm busy, right? And so the problem is that, um, and the problem for me was I created a value in doing right? And when you create the value in doing, you get disconnected from who you are. Your physical pace outruns your spiritual and your emotional pace. And 
and that depends on how healthy you are in those areas too. If you have no spiritual health or emotional health, it's easy to lean into uh, what, what do I got to do today to make myself feel good because I was disconnected spiritually. Um, I am disconnected emotionally, right? So then you have to figure out what is that? Because the reality is this, when you create the value of doing or when you can't do like you want to, or more importantly, when others can't do or keep up with the pace you do, they become an anchor to you. And so then when you walk into your house and it's not how you like, or you walk into the office or you get an email or who cares, and it's not up to your standards, it immediately turns into an anchor that's keeping you from going at the pace and the speed that you want to go, right? And so Martha, being angry at her sister, appeals to Jesus. And she assumed that Jesus was going to take her side for being upset. And it seems that Jesus, if you look at this and you look at it in context, it seems Jesus expressed himself very tenderly concerned for her, right? He was a guest in her home and she expected that he would take, uh, that he would tell her sister, hey, go share in the work. Go share in the work. You know that, that there's people here to feed. And here's the thing. When Martha was busy, she had to have Mary busy with her too, right? And, and she had to know, she had to let the whole house know, hey guys, I'm working here. Would anybody else like to pick up and carry some of the load that I'm carrying? And so she had to have Mary and Jesus and everyone else care just as much as her or she's not going to be happy. You know anybody like that? Know anybody like that? You don't visit their house very often, do you? No. No, you don't. Why? Do you understand? Do you know? Da, 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 da. Right? And if you can't care as much as they care, they're upset with you. And automatically, they're against you and you've now become an anchor. You're keeping me from getting whatever else done, right? Now, if you're taking notes, here's what you need to see. Jesus corrects Martha. And when he does, what I want you to see is those who are not always right or in the right are the quickest to appeal to God. Those who are not always right or who are not in the right at that moment are always the quickest to appeal to God. So then we must take heed to ourselves. This is Acts 20, 28. Take heed, take heed to yourself. Check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Take heed to yourself and then to the flock. And so then we take heed to ourselves in case at any time we expect Jesus to support our unjust busyness. And this is what Martha was asking. Jesus, I need you to support my unjust busyness. Even though Mary's chosen was right, right? 1 Peter 5, 7, here's what, here's what Martha really should have done. 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. For he cares about you. The cares which he cast upon you may cheerfully be cast back upon him. Okay? So the things God has given you can be given back to him. Always. But not those that we foolishly draw upon ourselves. Jesus is always going to be the patron of the poor and the injured, but he will never be the patron of the unstable, the ignorant, or the hurtful. He cannot side with that. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, neglect, 
He cannot be the patron of that. Jesus will always be the patron of the poor and the injured. He will not be the patron of the unstable, ignorant, or hurtful. Martha appealed to Jesus, and he gives judgment against her. He says, Martha, in the Living Bible, he says, dear friend. But others, he says, Martha, Martha, essentially snap out of it. He corrected her, though he was at this time her guest. Her fault was doing too much to entertain him. And she expected he should justify her in it, yet he publicly checked her for it. Yo, Martha, it's time to teach you. I'm going to teach you right here. This is an opportunity for Martha to get it right. Here's the thing. As many as Jesus loves, he also rebukes and humbles. We don't like to see or hear that part of it, but it's true. It's true. And so even those that are dear to him, if anything is off in them, if anything is off in anyone that follows Jesus, that seeks after him, he will make sure it gets corrected if you're honestly seeking after him. So when he corrected her, he called her by name, Martha. And he speaks earnestly and he speaks deeply concerned for her well-being. And, and, the, and the reality is, is people who are entangled in the cares of this life are not easily disentangled. People who are wrapped up in busy and accomplishment and running and doing are not easily disentangled from it. It's a process to get out of because it took you a long time to get into it. It's not like you just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to be busy today. I'm going to see how much I can get wrapped up in so it can keep me up tonight so I'll be exhausted tomorrow so I can try to run that same pace then so I can go to bed exhausted again and I don't know when I'm going to get out. So many people feel like that today. And the world does nothing but just keeps their foot on the gas and expects the same from you. And that's not how God created you to run. So then, we must accept that there needs to be change in us. And so if we're going to move forward this year and talk about holding fast and standing together and keeping our focus, we're going to talk about living in relationship with God and each other and, and being a community of faith. And, and we're going to talk about what it means to be disciples. We can't go any further without addressing this issue, right? And so Jesus noticed that Martha was troubled about many things, he said. You're troubled about many things. He was not pleased that she thought he was, uh, excuse me, he was not pleased that she thought she had to please him with greater entertainment or that she was pushing herself so hard to accomplish it. It, right? So Jesus corrects her for both the intenseness of her care and the extensiveness of it, which led her to be disappointed in herself, which led her to finally go, oh, never been there? I have. I have. We're troubled and divided and disturbed by our cares, which lead to our disappointments. Peter, if you remember, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast those cares on God. Give me those cares. God says, give me those cares, especially the busy ones. Especially busy. Give me busy, right? Here's, here's a big thought. If you want to take a note or jot this down. Who told Martha to get so busy? Who created Martha's to-do list? Who created my to-do list? Me. 
Who created Martha's list? She did. Nobody told her she had to do any of that. She was the one who was gracious enough to welcome them in. And then she automatically decided, oh, crud. Oh, saw him coming. Oh, yeah, come in. Oh, now that you're here, I've got all this stuff to do. They expected none of that. Who created the expectation? Martha. Martha. She did. She created the expectation that she couldn't fulfill and naturally didn't have enough of herself to give to it. Your expectation will always lead to your frustration. It's personal. It's between you and you. It's between you and you. When you share those expectations with others and then you miss that mark, then they know, but they don't see it, feel it, or sense it like you do because you, you set the expectation. You set the bar. You know that you can only operate right now in this season at this time at a seven, but you're setting things at a 12. You set yourself up to fail. I did this for so much of my life, 30 plus years of my life. I would freaking set it up and I would fail and I would be disappointed. Put my head down. My expectation was causing my frustration. Your expectations are always gonna to lead to your greatest frustrations. Who sets those? You do, we do. Martha expected Jesus to blame Mary for not doing as she did, but he blamed her for not doing as Mary did. We should all be blamed for not doing as Mary did. The judgment of Jesus is always according to truth. The day finally came. The day finally came where someone got Martha's attention and she realized that she needed to be sitting right next to her sister instead of being busy. Because the reality is, the dishes can be done tomorrow. I grew up and we run our house. It's a mix how we run our house right now. Some things wait till tomorrow. I've gotten used to that because what's more important are the people running around in our house, not the things that have no life in them, like a dirty pot on the stove. And so for me growing up, our focus and our intention was on the things. Clean, do, clean, do, clean, do, clean, do. Like clean as you go, period. Before you go to bed, spotless. And, and that led to a bunch of busy work, um, but it also led us to be disconnected as a family. Our house is very different. We, we clean last, we clean together, or we don't clean at all, and we wait till the next day because those, those night times, those nighttime moments are the most important moments. How you go to bed, man, with peace on that pillow, it means everything. And so then it's not about being busy. And so then I want to talk about the judgment from Jesus towards Martha and, and how that judgment is always according to truth. His judgment is always according to truth, okay? The day finally came. Somebody got Martha's attention. And so then I hope today is the day that we take the time to posture ourselves like Mary, to remember verse 42. It says, Mary discovered what mattered most. And because she did, Jesus said it would never be taken away from her. What matters most is your relationship with Jesus. It is that time with him that fuels you. Now, if that's only once a month, your tank is empty a lot. 
it's once, if it's once a month, your tank is empty all month. If it's once a week, your tank is empty all week. You have one day, right? So many times in scriptures we see Jesus going away. He goes alone. He goes to get quiet. And he goes to pray. When he prays, he's connecting to God the Father. His quiet times with God are what fueled him or what gave him strength to walk the face of the earth. Without those times of disconnection, he would have been weak and weary too. He would have been tired and he would have been busy. And he probably would have had his focus on other things. What's great about our quiet time with God, when you come into and you're, in, in you're intentional in your meeting time with Jesus, is it gets, it gets the focus off of you. So we come in and pray and we give thanks and we're um, grateful in that moment. But man, then when we read and we expect to hear God say something to us and we actually write it down and we make it the focus for the day, we're actually walking in who we are. And then when situations come, we respond with that word, we respond with that truth and it changes how we move forward. It changes what we do. And so then, what Jesus is telling Martha, and it's, what is, and, and it's what he explained in John 15. I reference this all the time. I'm going to read it right now. It's John 15, and we're going to go 1 through 8. Here's what it said. Here's, here's what Mary understood and what Martha was missing. Okay, I'm the true vine, and the Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. The goal is not produce, producing, by the way. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. It's just saying, you live in a relationship, you're focused on discipleship. Because of the word I've spoken to you, If a branch is only connected to the source once a month or once a week, how much fruit will it produce? Zero. So then, we all need to be connected to God right now. Mary had it figured out. John 15 is the blueprint, right? We need to be connected more to God and less to our doing. Here's the thing. No matter how much you do, there's always more to do. I can make my list of things to do as long or as short as I want to. What's the heart behind it? What's the fruit from it? Lou Holtz is a great football coach. Haven't seen Lou Holtz in a while. Um, he, he asked a question, it's W-I-N. What's important now? What's important now? And if you'll approach life like that, especially when it comes to those things that you feel like you need to accomplish or to do, it's this. Is it more important that I do this right now or respond to my son who needs a father? 
And there were times early, early on where I wasn't a dad, but it was, should I do this or should I respond to my wife who needs me right now? And I'd say, one second, babe, I'll be right there. And I would choose this. And it created separation in us that we had to work through. Why? Because I was choosing to do. I was choosing to do. And God's not looking or grading me on my production or you on your production or how fast you can produce, how much you can produce. He's looking at the quality of fruit. He's looking at the source of your production. He's looking at the source of your fruits. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. Social media, glitz and glam, right? But the Lord looks at the heart. He wants to know your intention. God only wants your heart. God only wants your heart. I think it's easy to see in the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus had Mary's heart from the beginning. And if we're going to hold fast, if we're going to stand together this year, God must have our heart. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this word, Lord, for putting it on my heart. Thursday night, as I was preparing a totally separate message, thank you for reminding me of this. Thank you for reminding us of this. Lord, this is powerful. Help us to have the heart of Mary, Lord. Help us to seek after you. Help us to be intentional with this. If it's one minute per day, Lord, I pray right now that you help people do that. Open our ears, our hearts, our eyes, Lord, to see what you have for us. Help us to take this message, Lord, to put it in our heart, to move forward in it, Lord, to shelf the things that need done and to be with the people who need us the most right now in this season. I love you for the fact that I got to share. Thank you, Lord, for bringing those alongside of us, Lord, who support what we're doing, who support our ministry, who support our outreach efforts. Lord, I ask that you would bless them, Lord, beyond ways they can comprehend where only you get the credit for it. Thank you, Lord, for moving our ministry forward, for all that you're doing in and through my family right now, for all that you're doing in people across the country as they continue to seek after you. I love you. Thank you for letting me be a channel. Bless the people who have heard today. Help them to leave changed. I love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.